On Ken's Classics this week, uh, the second part of Cage Schwarzenegger double feature. We uh, have my conversation this week with Peter Kent, who was Arnold Schwarzenegger's stuntman. Over 13 years, lasted 14 films, workout partner, ski buddy, confidant, chef, dialogue coach. You named it from Terminator to Jingle all the way. Peter Kent was great to talk to. Here he is, my chat with Arnold Schwarzenegger's former stuntman, Peter Kent, give him a big hand. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. Cool. Let's start with a little bit of uh, origins for people who don't know. How did you How did you come to be an actor and a stuntman and, and everything else that you've done? Well, I guess you could say that the, uh, the acting career started pretty early on, like in high school and, uh, you know, the, the, the usual sort of... Uh, kids theatrics in, in elementary schools probably and, and um, that kind of thing then theater for Shakespeare as I got older right. and then after that and then after that um, I decided to move to Los Angeles and um, you know I got down there and all of a sudden I found myself talking to Jim Cameron and next thing I knew I was working in the Terminator wow there you go so um, let's, let's start with uh, before we talk about the Arnold years Let's talk about uh, you just uh, your parts as an actor because some of the films that you've done are um, some really uh, some favourites of mine. Um, Dungeon Master, you were in one of the episodes in that film. Yes, I was. Yeah. Mm, what was that uh, experience like? Uh, it was interesting. I played uh, one of the zombie characters. Uh, they uh, they decided to glue some. Um, you know, rotting flesh on me and some pieces of cloth and stuff like that. And the makeup artist said to me, I'm going to glue this rubber cement onto your chest hair. Uh-huh. But what I will do before I do that, and I didn't know anything about it. So but what I will do before I do that is I will put uh, use soap, a bar of soap, and soak the hair down. And then once I put the glue on over that, it won't stick. Of course, I had no idea whether it would or not, but I believed him. And, of course, at the end of a 12-hour shoot, he disappeared. And here's me with all of this... Uh, matted rubber cement and, and hair and, and uh, cloth stuck to my chest, right. which wouldn't come off. Huh. So I ended up having to sit there soaking it in alcohol and sitting there with a pair of scissors cutting the hair off my chest. So I was I was looking for that guy for probably a decade. Wow. <laughs> wow, really grubby stuff. Um, another, another, yeah. one, another one that you're in, um, which has become sort of a cult classic over the years, is Reanimator. Oh, yeah. Mm, what was that like? Uh, it was interesting. Um, I had just finished doing actually the first Terminator right. when uh, the director Stuart, Stuart Gordon, who had been a theatrical director, and I mean that by a theater director right. in Chicago, um, had seen uh, an audition that I had done and asked me to come in. And he actually had a whole bunch of us as actors um, performing uh, like monkeys, running around a YMCA gym, jumping around and pretending to be primates because that's what he wanted to see from the character, especially the zombie character, which I played, was a very primal, deep, uh, you know, really primal character. Right. It was a great it was a great shoot. I mean, I ran around the whole opening scene naked, as you know, <laughs> uh, biting, people's finger, <laughs> biting people's fingers off and tossing them around. So, uh, yeah. and, and I can tell you, at the, at the outset of the day, the set was pretty darn cold, so there wasn't really much to see. 
Wow. Get my drift. Yeah. <laughs> well, lucky you were um, lucky you were keeping uh, busy there to keep yourself warm, running yeah. running about and stuff. Um, another one that which people uh, talk about and and look back on now um, as a kind of cult classic was Dead Heat. Mm, how was that? Another zombie character. Funny yeah. enough, another zombie character I yeah. played in that. Although the, the, the part I could never quite understand, and, and my friend uh, Mark uh, was the one who directed that picture, um, with Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams. And the funny part of it was is that my character, though he was a zombie, he and his partner were stealing uh, from jewelry stores, robbing jewelry stores. And I, I'm not quite sure what zombies want jewelry for. Yeah. Um, but but regardless, that was a, that was the storyline. As we played the. Uh, Jewelry store robbing zombies. <laughs> As you do. And why not? It gives you, so, uh, gives you some... And it was probably one of the craziest scenes because the shootout that we did, um, you know, we exit, we exit the jewelry store and there's a big shoot and there's the whole LAPD SWAT team waiting for us out there. Right. And I had probably 75 bullet hits on me front and back, probably some of the largest sets of screw hits I've ever had on me at one time. Right. So right. It, was a, it was a pretty insane shot to be, you know, I'm standing there firing a machine gun and all these bullet hits are going off on my chest and all these cops shooting me, of course it doesn't kill me. Yeah. Uh, so a hand grenade goes off in my hand and blows me to bits. Yeah. I know this. I'm still good friends with Joe Piscopo to this day and I and Trey Williams if he wants to know well. Oh, that's cool. That's that's great. I noticed too in, in looking through your uh, credits, as well as, as being um, Arnold Stuntman, you, you did appear as characters in in some of the films like in the sixth day and um in, yes, other, I did, yeah. in other movies is that um is that because you you had to be there a lot of the time or or did they generally just want you to play those parts well or? yeah it was i was on set anyway yeah um and you know i mean arnold always knew that i was an actor and that's kind of how i started out so right uh you know if i put my hand up for something or the directors a lot of the directors were you know i was working with them every day and they knew that i was an actor as well so if they found something interesting or whatever they would just throw me in there so right it's always good I, a lot of times like in, in terminator 2 i was so busy in that film that i had no chance to play any other character and of course there was very few other characters I could have played because it was such a small cast anyway, right? Right, yeah. Uh, but uh, I was I worked uh, probably 70 consecutive days um, in that show and then another several months after that and days scattered out. So wow. a pretty intense work piece in that, in that show. Also. Um, another one uh, you've been in, I've interviewed the, the director, um, Damien Lichtenstone of uh, 3,000 Miles to Graceland. What was that experience? Graceland, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I uh, worked with Kevin Costner in my scenes. I worked with Kevin Costner and with um, uh, with uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Now, Kurt, I know from having lived... This was shot in Vancouver, too, by the way, and I know Kurt from Los Angeles. Right. Because uh, Kurt, Kurt and Goldie Hawn used to go to a restaurant that I would eat in all the time, and I would always casually say hello and have a conversation with them in that restaurant. Right. So then several years later, I'm up here in Vancouver, and they came on, you know, Kurt came on the set uh, and looked across at me and did a double take. And he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I live here now. And it was kind of, you know, old home week for a minute there. We had a little talk. And then um, in, the sh in the shootout, uh, Damien was um, directing uh, Kevin Coster to, to shoot at me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were both trying, he, he was firing, Kevin's firing at me point blank. And I'm firing at him point blank while trying to drag back one of my wounded slot guys. Right. So I played the spot team leader. And uh, the director was screaming, cut, cut, Damien was saying, you know, cut, cut it. 
And um, at the end of, as soon as we cut and stopped firing, because we had both had the automatic weapons, Costner's shouting at me, you're down, you should be dead. And I was like, I'm firing at you point blank. You should have been dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, um, when I was talking to Damien, that was his favorite moment ever, like filmmaking life was that final scene where Kevin takes the saw to, you know, that scene where he's up in the window and he fires out on all the police cars and yeah. everything. And he said just logistically what had to come together for that last, for that shot where, you know, it's just Kevin basically plugging away and there's all this pyro and there's, you know, yeah. stuntmen and everything jumping around. That was like his favorite moment. What yeah, and, you, and, and, um, in my scene that I worked with him, and he had a he had a, a weapon called a Patriot, which is a short barreled um, AR-15 with a big, huge canister clip on it. And the thing, he had a huge muzzle flash, and it was definitely loud because the barrel was only about a foot long, right. and uh, it was just like you, you know, no one could even hear anybody yelling on the set because it was just a deafening roar from the gun. Uh. Um, another one I noticed on your uh, in among your credits, and I've spoken to a writer who's worked on films with him before, was uh, Bowl's Far Cry. What was the Uwe oh Bowl, yeah? What was the Bowl experience like for you? Uh, well, you know, Uwe is a bit of a a crazy dude, <laughs> uh, to put it mild. To put it mildly, I mean, uh, it, when he came to Vancouver here. I don't know if you ever heard this, but he staged a fight, a boxing match, um, with, with a couple of his critics, some, yeah. some of his very vo- some vocal critics that he didn't dislike intensely. Mm. So he he rented an arena here in Vancouver and invited them to put the gloves on and fight him. Yeah. And one of them, uh, one of them, the guys that showed up was like this 18 year old young aspiring writer, and I'm sure he wanted some, you know, he wanted to make a name for himself. Uva had the guy against the ropes just punching the hell out of him in the face and beating the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of sad because it went from the being funny to this kind of sad whipping yeah. in the corner of this poor kid. Um, you know, but I, I I had a good I had a pretty good experience working with him on, yeah. on set and all and uh I worked with Udo Kier. Yes. Uh, the fantastic go. Yeah. Um Yeah, so it wasn't a huge scene. I think I had probably about ten minutes in my scene yeah. in the whole film, but it was fun. Yeah, no, I've uh, I actually saw that on the the documentary about him called Raging Bull, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, where he takes on his uh, his naysayers. But uh, yeah, it's all fun. But uh, aside from all those parts, you you've done a lot of television as well. Yeah, I've done. Um, oh, I don't know. I think my credit list on IMDb is about 160 yeah, yeah. acting credits, yeah, and huge. then the rest of that is, um, and then the rest of that, of course, is stunts and some directing, yeah. second unit directing, screenwriting, yeah. producing, and that kind of thing. And how yeah, you... uh, I, I created I created my own TV series for Discovery Channel called Stunt Dogs. I don't know if anyone ever saw it down in Australia. No, we didn't. Um, but it, it was a behind the scenes. You can, I think, you can find scenes of it still if you Google Stunt Dogs, which okay. is spelled D-A-W-G-S. Right. And there was a cartoon of the same name that uh, you can find. It was um, done by Discovery Channel, and uh, it was basically dissecting famous stunt sequences uh, and breaking them down, and then us, us rebuilding them from scratch and showing the audience how it was actually done. Okay, that would have been yeah, that would have been cool. I have to check that out. But no, it I'm was. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. We uh, we weren't we weren't privileged to uh, to see oh, it. Down, I'm sorry too. 
Yeah. yeah, we I won the Gemini Award for excellence in Canadian television for that series. Oh, well, that's good. Well, if it's if if it's on the net somewhere, I'll I'll, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah. Which most yeah. most things are nowadays. You can find it online. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, you can. So anyway, let's um let's talk about the Arnold beers. Um, 1984 to 1996, and it started. Uh, we won't talk about them all, um, but uh, I just thought I'd go through a few. You so you started off with the Terminator, hey? Yes, I did. Yes. Mm. And so, so well, you... I had, I had. Um, let me just give you a preface to that. I, okay. I had actually um, arrived in LA, and I was living in the YMCA. hadn't had no career really going on at all, and I um, I found a small casting agency and was you know trying to get work through them. And one day they called me in the YMCA and left a message for me at the desk to call them back. And they said, listen, you know, two blocks away from you at the ABC television center, James Cameron has an office there and he's doing this movie called The Terminator. We sent him your picture. Uh, he wants to see you for a stand-in for Arnold. Now, stand-in is someone who does lighting stand-in right. uh, to stand there in place of the actor for lighting. So I was quite happy with that. I went over and saw Jim, and Jim took a look at me and said, great, you're, you've got a job, you're perfect. And then he said, what about stunts? And I thought, well, I guess I better say yes to this because I need the other job. I, I don't have a job. I'm, right. I'm running out of money. I'm running out of money living in Y. So anyway, um, you know, that was it. He just said, great. And I was getting paid $40 a day flat. Right. So uh, that's, you know, a pittance, basically. But it was my first film, and I get, as they say, you know, you're paying your dues, basically. You get in there and, and just get your foot in the door, and, that, and that's really what it was. And from then on, uh, the next film was Commando, yeah. and I got a union job on that one, right. finally. Uh, and so the pay increased, and then, you know, Arnold made me a part of his contract. Right. And so whichever, wherever he went and whatever we did uh, over those 15 years, I became part of his contract. So, right. the, you know, the price increased as well when we went. Right. From show to show. That's awesome. Um, uh, always a fan favorite. Certainly one of mine. The Predator. What was uh, what was the Predator shoot like for you? It was uh, it was great. I mean, you know, we had some very intense moments in the jungle, and it was extremely hot uh, and and um, dry. But then the, the upside of that was we were staying in a beautiful beachside resort. So every morning they would load us all into a combi van, all the stunt guys and take us out into the bush and we'd shoot all day out there and then come back and land on the beach and, you know, go to the disco and have a bunch of drinks and swim in the pool and lay out on the sand and surf and all that stuff and then go back again. So I think one offset the other quite nicely. Yeah. Uh, it was great, great working with Carl Weathers and, and Jesse. Jesse and I became very good friends on that. In fact, Jesse Ventura lived with me uh, in Los Angeles for about four months. Awesome. Uh, while he was out there. He was out there doing some work, and I had a spare bedroom, so I he was living with me during the uh, O.J. Simpson trial, in fact. Okay. Wow. <laughs> have an old painless for a roommate, eh? That would have been something. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Jesse's quite the character, so I, I always I always love hanging out and talking to Jeff. Is he is he like that in real life, or is that a public... pretty much? Yeah. yeah, I think I don't think that character was too far of a stretch for him. Right, because you know. We, with some some of these people, there's a public persona and there's a private persona, and you just wonder sometimes. No, I think that's pretty much bang on what he's like. <laughs> so he he'd come through the kitchen, they chewing tobacco, and like, <laughs> give me oh some, yeah, 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 give and me he, some cereal. He would, like, he would take over the, the remote control because he was obsessed with the OJ trial, and he'd be like, God, Petey, Petey, we gotta watch this. I'm like, well, there's other things on TV, Jeff. <laughs> oh no, Petey, we gotta see it. We gotta see it. Yeah, and I bet uh, you like, okay. it was certainly on TV a lot, that's for sure. Yeah, it was. He dominated yep. the TV. 
But um, anyway, let's uh, let's go through another another favourite of mine um, was uh, Total Recall. What was that? Uh, that was down in yeah, uh, down I, in I have some fond memories of that. We spent uh, six months in Mexico City uh, shooting in Cherubusco Studios, which is the largest studio in the world outside of Pinewood in England. Yeah. Um, so we had nine sound stages there, and on every one of those nine sound stages, we built two sets. So we had eighteen gigantic sets in there, huge sets. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we probably had almost every stunt guy in Los Angeles down there and almost every stunt guy that was available in Mexico because we were killing people in <laughs> 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 droves in that movie. Yeah, um, yeah it was great. Uh, Michael Ironside, who played Richter, a uh, good friend of mine. Um, Ronnie, uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, you know, we had, we had some... Uh, we had a really, it was in, it was in Mexico City, which uh, I'm kind of ambivalent about at that time, Mexico City, I don't know if it's improved much, but it was quite dirty then, and, you know, the sewers were overtaxed, so any day that it would rain, uh, basically all the sewage would come up onto the street, oh, so, okay. uh, that wasn't one of the prettier sights, trying to bicycle through town and, you know, avoiding the feces and toilet paper all scattered <laughs> all over the road was one of my, oh. fa- one of my favorite moments, um, but, you know, the shoot itself was terrific, and uh, we, um, it was a it was a long six months, a lot of hard work, but uh, a lot of fun. And I, I really enjoyed working with Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, uh, he and I were good were good friends, and uh, it's just a super guy to work with, and a fantastic body of work. Yeah, sure, sure, certainly. So, what is it like? I mean, I've I've seen pictures, obviously, online of of you and Arnie like hanging out. You obviously would have become good mates at one point. Yeah, well, that, it started. I think that's part of what set it off at the very beginning was the fact that. Um, you know, when I first started working with him and I called my mother way back here in Vancouver and said, uh, you know, I'm working with Arnold. And she said, no, just treat him like anybody else, dear. Don't treat him like he's anyone special. And I did. And I, and I believe, I think, that that's probably the reason why we got along so well is because I, you know, I wasn't one of the yes men. Yeah. Um, I just basically treated him like I treated anybody else who was a friend. And, you know, I, I would tell him to his face if I didn't think the scene was working. Cause my background, of course, was in acting. And yeah. um, my my acting coach at that point was uh, Zena Provendy, who was a head coach at MGM for six years wow. with Burton and Taylor and Cleopatra. And, you know, she had worked under you know, some fabulous other actors, older actors. Her, her era was a bit, you know, in the 40s and 50s, but still. So I, you know, if I saw a scene that wasn't working for him, I would. I learned to speak German and taught myself that, uh, right. so I could just pull him aside and speak to him in German without anybody on the set knowing what was being said. Yeah. Um, you know, and I cooked with him. I, I cooked for him on, on many occasions because um, I had been brought up sort of with a domestic background. My mom and I ran a boarding house, uh, so I learned to cook at an early age, which is a real advantage for a young men out there. You should all learn how to cook. Yeah, there you go, fellas. Um, yeah, it was great, and you know, I would make spaghetti for him in his room all the time, and we'd sit and have a cigar and hang out and read the script and practice the dialogue, and you know, and work out all the time. I think I'm, I'm probably one of the few that can say that I trained with a man every day for 15 years. Wow, yeah. So, I mean, what does it entail, like you being? I mean, there, there's obviously is there there's certain parts of the film where you know that you're it's going to be you and not him doing yeah doing the stuff. Um, like, I mean, I, not, not, not to be, not to be one of those picky people that freeze frame movies and stuff, but, um, I I always remember when he comes off the, uh, the embankment into the flood canals in Terminator 2 and there's one, there's a couple of frames when the bike lands and it's very clearly you 
uh, and yeah. not him. <laughs> and, and from what I and from what I hear, um, because let me let me back up first. That that okay. piece, what I'm wearing there, I'm wearing a prosthetic mask to look like him. Okay. And I think I was one of the first guys ever in the industry to wear something like that. Right. Uh, which was extremely uncomfortable, by the way. Right. Um, and but that was all we could do back in that day, right? They didn't have the CGI like they have right. doing working with like uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff. Those incredible faces of those characters. So right. Sure. They couldn't digitally replace my face, but now. In Terminator 2 3D, the new release that James Cameron has cleaned up, apparently okay. he digitally removed my face and actually inserted Arnold's face in over mine. Okay. Um, right. and, I, and I recently did an interview. Uh, they asked me if I was offended by that, and I said, of course not. You know, I mean, the initial job was just to get the job done, and yeah. and this is the technology we had available at the time. Sure. And now there's newer technology, so sure, why wouldn't you then go the rest of the distance and, and utilize that technology? Yeah. Now, I've seen a picture of you online with, like, the... Uh the, the the lower face prosthetic yeah. or whatever it is, uh, yeah. you know, to give you the more of the, the Arnold sort of lower jaw and, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah, it, it was horrific to wear, I'll tell you that. I wore it, I wore it literally 66 consecutive days. Yeah. So you imagine having that glued on, it's about a four, it got it, they whittled it down to about a four-hour application, but still yeah. every day, sit in the chair in the morning at like four and five in the morning having glue slathered all over your face and then that put on yeah and then uh you know you have to take it off that night and put it back on the next morning yeah no the the look on your face kind of said it all you didn't look too happy <laughs> no i don't think i think if, uh, if my friend jeff don or peter toss paul the hair or makeup guys um were listening to this they would agree that i was <laughs> never too much the happy camper having that stuck on my face <laughs> Another favorite of mine that um, that not a lot of people, I, I know it didn't do well financially, but I certainly enjoyed it, was um, The Last Action Hero. Uh, yeah. What was that one like? Because uh, there was quite a, quite a few hair-raising uh, moments in that where, you know, he jumps, yeah. off, jumps onto the, 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 yeah. the elevator off the building and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, did a, I did an 18-story wire drop down the side of the Long Beach Hilton on that one. Wow. Uh, which was a bit of, which was a bit exciting because you have to um, you have to imagine that when you're doing a wire drop, the reason that they do that is so they can look over your shoulder and see the pavement below you. So literally, there is no airbag to catch you. Right. Um, so if the if the wire system you happen to be on fails, you go straight to the concrete from 18 stories. So it's a you know it's it's a do or die moment, and you're just praying that the guys who put up the rigging for you did a good job. Sure. In fact, the, the guys who did rig that for me, I bought them all watches after that after that particular sequence. Yeah. Said, Thanks for keeping my ass intact. Sure, because I mean, you really are in those instances putting your trust and your life in in uh, oh, yeah. in the in the in the stunt team's uh, hands. So you know, I'm, I'm sure most people, yeah. most listeners are aware of how much preparation goes into before these stunts are even performed. How much preparation and you know, checking and all that goes into before you actually sure. get yeah, out there. And, and, and even on, in a case like that, I mean, I'm not there to, to test it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was usually somewhere else doing other stunts, right? And so the team comes in, they rig. Not only does the wire have to go 20 stories uh, up, it has to go 20 stories down. So you've literally got 40 stories of wire paid out uh, attached to a descender device on the ground that controls your speed coming down. And you literally fall. 15 of those 18 stories at full speed it's a free fall and 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 then the system kicks in and and, and sets you down on your feet basically at the bottom um 
so you know they test, they they weigh you, they weigh me, and they get my weight, and then they fill a huge barrel with water, and they get the same equivalent weight, and then they hang that, and they run the system with that over and over again as a mm. tester. And then basically, I show up, and they say, okay, let's try one, and you've got to hope that they have done their tests and sure. everything's ready and good to go. And how many uh, usually? I, when would, you... I wouldn't be having this. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. I know. <laughs> I know. It would have been terrible. <laughs> But um, how how many like when you do the when you've done the big stunts like that in his movies, um, how many takes do they do usually? Do they is it is it a one take deal or what? not usually? Well, in that case on the wired truck, I think we did five takes or yeah. five um, yeah. from different angles. We had a basket camera out, and we had cameras on the ground, and a couple looking out of the windows of the hotel. Yeah, there's about four or five angles. Uh, so I think we did between five and seven. I don't remember exactly. Uh, in the truck transfer that we did in T2, where I ran out of the little truck and ran across the bed and, and up onto the hood of the big rig, uh, we did seven takes of that. Yeah. Uh, the bike jump into the canal in T2, I think we did about five takes of that. Right. Um, you know, so you, you, it, it, it depends on your director and how, finicky they are about what they're seeing. Uh, right. James Cameron, somewhat of a perfectionist. Yeah. Uh, and there's always the moment where sometimes something doesn't go right. There's a small technical glitch. It could be with a camera. It could be with an effect. It could be anything, right? Yeah. So, you know, they have to come back and, and, and redo it and run yeah. it again. Does it take a long time to reset something like that? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Most of those big gags are not a quick reset, no. Yeah, so it'd be like a couple of hours or... Uh, at least an hour in some yeah. cases, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, Arnold did a few uh, lighter films uh, in his in his career, uh, like Twins and Kindergarten Cop. Um, another one which I liked was um, Jingle All the Way, which is uh, uh, every parent's shopping nightmare. Um, <laughs> tr- oh, yeah. Trying to find that that one action figure that every kid wants, and there's only so many to get. Um, yeah. What's it like as opposed to doing like you know, for instance, like you, you, the Terminator, Predator, those action, action really. I mean, they they're geared towards action those pictures, but something that's like a comedy where the the action is more real world. Yeah, you know, like it's it's, um, it's more based in well, reality. Yeah, the, the action is you know, I mean, the action is the action. That's part of your job. Yeah, and um, and so. It doesn't really matter what context it falls into. It's still a stunt. It still has to get done. Right. Um, but I mean, the comedies, for me, the comedies, um, most of them had a lot less work in the moment because they weren't the action movie, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're looking at Twins and if you're looking at things like Twins and Kindergarten Cop, um, I may have only worked probably, though I was on the film in its entirety, I may have only worked maybe, well, you know, 10 days, 15 days, right. maybe three weeks out of all those, out of those films. Yeah. Um, another really cool one, um, which I thought didn't get a lot of love, but is another one of my favorites was True Lies. Um, oh yeah. Which I love the ending where he comes up in the the Harrier uh, jet. Uh, <laughs> what a way to make an entrance. Um, what was that yep. film? What was that film like? There was some there was some pretty uh, death defying stunts on that one. Yeah, it was. Uh... It was well. It was a chance for me also again to work with Jim Cameron, which was my third outing with him. Yes. Um, and he was the one that gave me my start. So you know, obviously, I got. Uh, he gave me plenty of love and things to do. Getting uh, the you know the running the running dive uh, when the uh, fuel truck explodes. Yeah. Uh, into the 
into the uh, harbor, the you know the stuff with um, the flamethrower. Even using when he Arnold's using the flamethrower on the truck, if that uh, wide shot is me, the close up is him with just a flame bar in front of him. And I can tell you mm. that uh, I was launching flames about sixty feet with that flamethrower, and the, the fire blossom on the end of that thing was huge and very hot. Yes, I can imagine. So, to the point of actually melting the mask off my face. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, all right. So you still had to go with the the prosthetic around that time. Yeah. The, the, the arc. Yeah. Well, did it have? But a... yeah, it was. There was a lot of great gags in that movie, and a, and a great story, and a, and a great uh, a great cast. Jamie Lee Curtis, I have to say, is probably one of the nicest people I've ever worked with. And if yeah. anybody out there has ever worked with her, they'll probably agree. Yeah. And um, I, I loved how it had a little bit with uh, Charlton Heston was in it for a little bit there. As yeah. Like the... Yeah. I'm. I'm. Friend, I was friends with Charlton as well oh, from, uh, before the movie started. Even I used to go to his house and swim in his pool quite regularly oh, and awesome. drink his beer. Oh, <laughs> that that now that's cool, man. That's a great story. I've See got that. a I've actually got a photo of me with a mug of beer sitting in his living room polishing his uh, his Oscar from oh. uh, El Cid. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's cool having a beer with Chuck. Eh? That's fantastic. Yeah, I used to I used to sit on his tennis court in his in his uh, director in his chair, his actor's chair. Yeah. That uh, had uh, the script from Ben Hur right. sitting in it. That's awesome. That's a yeah. great. That's He's a great. Pretty hobby. awesome guy. That's an awesome story, my friend. That's great. Um. So anyway, I mean, so what are you up to? I mean, you've you've done directing and and producing and and all this other stuff. So. W- what does what does the future hold? You you solely are you looking at acting, or are you looking to do some more uh, directing? Well, I still work as an actor to a degree. Yeah. I mean, whatever I'm offered, I generally take. Yeah. Um, I'm I have my own stunt school in Vancouver, which right, is called cool. the School of Peter Kent School of Hard Knocks, where I teach stunts. Right. Um, we only take ten students at a time, and it's very much one-on-one and safety intensive, um, oh. where we do car hits, wire flying, full burns fight choreography, weapons training, right. fair falls, high falls, a little of everything. So yeah. there's a lot. We I run those about four times a year. Right. Um, pretty, they're, they're fairly intense and, and a lot of fun to do. It brings, you know, I feel you need to give something back, especially to the young folks that are coming up, right? No, uh, sure. They're the ones that really need a hand up. So uh, I do that. I, I'm still, you know, I've got a film I'm producing or working on producing right now that I wrote. Right. Okay. Um, and not an action picture, though, by the way, and actually okay. a Christmas movie. Oh, well, there you does go. have some action in it, but yeah. something, something kinder and gentler, I think, is time for. <laughs> yeah, to to uh, to rest those to rest those weary limbs of yours after years of. Time. Yeah, well, at, at six at sixty years old now, I don't hit the ground anymore. I don't think I can be doing that anymore. <laughs> uh, did you get to keep the Arnold face? Sorry? The prosthetic? The Arnold uh, face? Oh, yeah, I did have one, but it just crumbled to dust oh, okay. after a while. I, after about five years, it dried up, and I went to move it, and it just turned to dust. Oh, okay. I thought that would have been a great <clears throat> keepsake after all the... <laughs> yeah, I should have probably packed it in a plastic Ziploc bag or something. Yeah. But, uh, did it have, like... I know they nickname certain prosthetics. Did it have, like, a nickname? Like, that's the... That's the jaw. No, I didn't the... have a nickname for it. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I just I've I've seen that photo and the look on your face is priceless. I've got to say, it looks like you know, it's like oh I've got this bloody thing on again, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, pity pity all the uh, the digital stuff didn't exist. Then you wouldn't have had to go through that uh, 
that experience. You could have just got yep. those little dots painted on your face and and been uh, been digitally uh, superimposed, as they say. Yeah. But, uh, and anyway, Peter, look, it's been really, really cool to have you on podcasting them softly this morning. Um, you've had a, a really historic career, great stories. Love to hear about. I love that uh, Chuck Heston thing, having beers with Chuck Heston. How about that? Ladies yep, and gentlemen, can't, can't cool. complain about that. It's a it's a landmark that one. Yeah, that's fantastic. And of course, um, you great. Are you still friends with Arnold today? Do you talk with him, chat with him? Um, well, I'm I live up here in Vancouver, so oh, I'm a considerable yeah. distance from from Los Angeles these yeah. days. But uh, I still give him a call once in a while, and you know, put yeah. his feet in the fire and see what happens. He hasn't. Uh, he hasn't. You know, since he's going, sort of been creeping back into films. He hasn't. Uh, Hasn't given me a call to come back and uh, and 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 no, do. I'm and I wouldn't be able to go anyways. I don't. I've got two seven-year-old boys I'm raising right now, so right. I, uh, I I know my days in doing stunts are done here. So yeah. I don't I don't uh, put myself too much at risk anymore. I think I've done more than enough of that over the years. Yeah, you've you've certainly earned your spurs, and I think that it's great that you're uh, you're passing on the torch to the next generation of of movie stuntmen. And who better to learn from than the best? We've been very, very honoured to have you on the program this morning, Peter Kent. Thank you very much. It's uh, well, thank it's, you. It's been great to talk to another Kent today. Uh, <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>